and wreck conversation, some deep reactions, please. All this comics narration ain't me. A little more talk, a lot less read. A little five babies is what I need. Close the trade, open up your brains, explain it to me. Explain it to me, baby. Explain it to me. Thank you, Vandello, and welcome once again to Wreck Conversations. My name is Josh Wasta, aka Fallout Fury. And uh, with me, uh, she don't eat meat, but she sure loves the bone. It's Leia Cameron. <laughs> I can think of about three things wrong with that sentence. Hi, everybody. <laughs> yep. Yeah, as I'm thinking, I'm like, no, none of this is right. But it's the only thing coming into my mind right now. Mary Moon of any everything came from the very back of my mind and went, it's my time. <laughs> Josh is just really excited because with us today, uh, our guest is uh, composer Ryan Ike. Hi. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to leave a weird pregnant pause there. I just thought you were going to say more stuff about me and I didn't yeah. want to get in the way. I was going to let you talk about you uh, since you know you best. Um, Ryan, mm, can you tell a us a little idea. bit about uh, what you do and, and, and how you do it? <laughs> Uh, sure. So I sit um, hunched over a, a, a piano, like an electric piano keyboard, you know, like a like a Nosferatu figure kind of all day <laughs> in front of a computer, um, trying to make music for match threes and, uh, you know, things where you're trying to like make XP go up and, you know, just trying to, uh, you know, like I'm trying to I'm trying to make it not sound bad. That's, no, that's no, really I'm, like my goal. That's kind I, of my. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm now curious which match threes because those are my jam. <laughs> I haven't actually what, done a match three, but I would love uh, that so much. Well, but what um, Ryan, what Ryan isn't saying is that he's an exceptionally talented composer who has put together the soundtrack for a couple different video games. But um, my favorite, uh, as I've told him endlessly, and I'm sure he's very tired of hearing, is um, for where the water tastes like wine, which is a indie video game um and the music on it slaps so hard that i listen to it while i'm not playing uh the video game which is a mark of quality in my eyes so <laughs> high praise and that, that i'm yeah. i'm not tired tired of hearing that it, it literally <laughs> does make my day every single time uh, because i'm <laughs> a broken human being who, who this this engine runs on compliments but also uh, like you you cannot find a musician or a composer or an artist of any kind who doesn't even if they front like they do like who doesn't love it Anytime someone they they like it's 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 always a surprise and a shock. Anytime someone's like, "Yeah, I listen to your work," you know, even <laughs> though I have like the receipts that many many people listen to my stuff, I'm still like, "You do!" Like every time, it's it's incredible. So I I really do appreciate it. I did a bad job earlier of describing myself. I've also worked on games like uh, West of Loathing, which is like a, is like a comedy um kind of stick figure art cowboy game. Uh, uh, I've worked on Rain, a series called Reigns, which is like a uh, mobile game where you make choices on how to run a kingdom. And I worked on the Game of Thrones, like the official Game of Thrones version of that and other things. I won't list my whole discography and stuff, but uh, <laughs> I but you can find I, him on Spotify. I, and I suggest that you do. <laughs> Thank fantastic. you so much. Um, with us also is uh, the wonderful and lovely Jen Howland. Thank you. I am so happy to be here. I'm so excited to meet Ryan and I'm really forward to this episode. Oh gosh. Yeah. This is, um, this episode is, uh, I said before we started recording, and I'll say it again just for posterity, this has maybe been the first um, book that we've done where I have been 
incredibly grateful for the author's uh, script at the back of the book because there is so much going on yeah. <laughs> in this book. There well, is there is a lot. Why don't we tell the people what this book is? Ah, yes. That's probably really important. Um, <laughs> so, so today we are exploring uh, Arkham Asylum, A Serious House on Serious Earth, written by Grant Morrison in the tender year of 1989, which was shocking to me, even though I've owned this book for quite some time, uh, when I actually opened it up and looked at the year that it was uh, collected and printed, I was like, say what? Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and also important to know that the art in this book, which obviously cannot give description to your podcast, is done by <laughs> Dave McHugh, yeah. um, well known all over the place, but probably best known for his work on Sandman. Um, yeah. with with Neil King. Oh, cool. Yeah, the, the art in this, um, so it, Dave McKean is one of my favorite um, comic book artists. Um, he mainly he did some of the work on Sandman. He's done other works with Neil Gaiman before they did um, uh, Violent Cases and Black Orchid, I believe, yeah, together. Yeah, Black Orchid. Um, and um, his art style, if you've never seen it before, is very um, surrealist and collage um he incorporates a lot of mixed media and things like that um and it's very dreamlike very very suited you know for something like the sandman of course uh which is probably what he's best known for um but it works very well in this medium as well for this story because um the story itself is fairly simple but what's going on behind it is not um grant morrison is somewhat of a crazy person and he really lets his free flag fly in this book um <laughs> Well, and, and uh, before we get into it, there is one more part uh, that is a tradition. Uh, Ryan, you've never been on a graphically novel production. Uh, so Not. if you could give us a little bit of background on your history of comic books, like how are they in your life and how are they coming and growing up? Sure. Yeah. So uh, I have been a, a massive, like, especially like superhero comics dork since I was conceived <laughs> essentially i was the only uh <laughs> since i was a zygote um just, i have just I've me always... and a copy of the death of superman <laughs> <laughs> inside <laughs> inside my mom's womb exactly uh yeah i uh i've i've been reading them you know i i will not i'm i'm it's complicated because i've been reading them since i was a kid but i'm not one of those people who has like an encyclopedic knowledge of comic books specifically i know a lot about like superheroes and stuff but like there are plenty of like even major arcs in certain comics that you can find that i haven't gotten to yet that I would happily read. They just they pass me by. I read a lot of Spider Man. Spider Man's my my nice. favorite superhero of all time. So that coming up, a lot of like Ultimate Spider Man, and uh, you know, even up until now, like recently, like finally got around to like the Spider Verse comic, which I lost my mind over. Oh my god, um, it's, so good. <laughs> it's so good. The fucking it Victoria. Is. Am I? Can I swear on this podcast? Oh god, yeah. Yeah. oh please. Okay, this, this podcast the, has lay on it. Well, yeah, we swear all the fucking. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> excuse me. Well, you're not a regular. I know I'm not a regular. <laughs> But if I goddamn can't fucking swear on this <laughs> damn podcast. LS podcast. This <laughs> yeah, bagging jagobs. Yeah. <laughs> um, so lots of lots of Spider-Man. I'm I'm mostly a Marvel guy. Uh, and that's not like a, a you know a hard line where like I think one is better than the other. That's just a lot of my favorite properties are in Marvel Town. Um I more recently have read um I've been reading Batgirl of Burnside, which I'm in love with. Have y'all dipped into that? Which one's that? I have not. It's a, it's a, so it's a, it's a Batgirl line uh, okay. where, where it's kind of, I don't think it's canon. It's like an alt universe where she recovers from 
the killing joke somehow. Like she does therapy and like her, her she's actually able to walk and move around again. Okay. Uh, and she's going to she's going to grad school in kind of the Brooklyn no, that's, vibe that's, of like Gotham. Yeah, that's that's a main line. Uh, that is actually what happened with Barbara Gordon. That's yeah. canon, and she can that just recover canon. from having her spine severed. That's awesome. But, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the idea was that there were people. <laughs> what are you lame? Could, there were people that could do it all along, and they approached her, and she was basically like, "Unless you make this available to everyone, I don't need special treatment." I love. Barbara so much that's so good (laughs) she's she's uh literally my favorite DC superhero because uh I love Batman a whole whole lot but one of my favorite things about her is that her adventures are more so in in Becker Burnside's her like fighting crime over there and all of her villains tend to be kind of like appropriate like millennial (laughs) themed kind of villains like they're right fights one who's like a who's like a DJ and she fights one who who was like it's too animated twins on motorcycles and shit like it's it's awesome and campy and fun and i love that every now and then batman shows up and he's like how are you faring with the dark denizens of this neighborhood do you? and she's like bruce fucking chill the fuck out i got it yeah like she's like not having his like grimdark shit <laughs> yeah. it's so good um so that's one of my favorites currently uh i've been reading a lot of uh like saga you know like a lot of, oh, lot yeah. of like, the, the the big name so things good. i've dipped into but it, if you if you got Sandman, I've obviously read, but if you got into more like insular stuff and then as far as Batman arcs, I loved like the long Halloween. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read the killing joke. Of course, I read uh, year one, like a lot of the big ones. But um, sure, sure. I, I wouldn't be here if I'd read the thing you're going to talk to me about today. <laughs> right. I can't imagine given Alan Moore's beard uh, and the way he is that it's going to be a sane production <laughs> that is gonna <laughs> not get weird as absolute fun well th- yeah this is great morrison not alan moore but we excuse done, me uh, yeah, yeah i, I made great morrison but in my head i was picturing alan moore because i'm always picturing alan moore because <laughs> i get it once you've seen him it's it's kind of like the ring uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah he haunts you uh we've yeah done, we've done a, a whole series on our other show graphically novel where we call it more more uh every time in our eyes yes every time we think we're done with alan moore there's another fucking property that pops up. um yep. the, the other thing that i'll say about what we're about arkham asylum today reading it i read it last night and i immediately had to go over to my xbox and start playing the batman arkham asylum game uh because oh if so you good. have played that there is it's very loosely based on this um there are oh, okay i have played those notes yeah. that hit throughout that that are very similar um especially if you are completionist like i am and you had to go and find all the goddamn hidden uh, amadeus arkham uh files basically they were like little mm-hmm. rocks with a spider symbol on them and then you got you collected all of them and they were amadeus arkham story well you're there's going to be a parallel uh, that's in, cool in the, that is i did cool. do that i, I don't remember that. it I've yeah. I've not played that game, so I, and I I knew it existed. Obviously, I knew it was loosely based on this book, but I didn't realize how much. So that's yeah. cool. I picked it and uh, Arkham City, and Arkham City is probably my favorite. It's so amazing. It's, it's the best one quest. for sure. Yeah, uh, and Origins doesn't get enough love, but <laughs> it was fantastic. Origins but is anyway. good. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, <laughs> so for people who have not uh, joined our show before, this is this is how it's gonna go. Uh, today, Professor L will be giving our lecture on uh, Arkham <laughs> Asylum, and she's going to explain to Ryan in intricate detail uh, what happens in this comic. If Ryan has any question, can pull the emergency break on the entire show, ask any question that he likes, uh, and it'll be my responsibility to answer it. Now, if I can't answer it, 
I may ask uh, Leia for help. Um, if neither of us know it, uh, since she's here, our, our safety net is Jen, who will just make up an answer. And I'm so good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Especially That's when exciting. we're dealing with the Joker. And we're yes. doing, uh... <laughs> also, Jen, oh. you should just know coming out the gate that I'm extremely gullible. So, like, whatever you say, I'm just going to fully, oh, like, no, it's not, for it make it Yeah, it's not, it's not to fool you. It's like... Oh, I, I know it's not. I will still just believe you anyway. Oh, okay. is what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Well, I just want you to know that we're we're friends. <laughs> Good. Excellent. I'm even. I believe my friend. What my friends say even more readily. So this there is perfect. There we go. Awesome. Well, if you ever need to to get out uh, of Seattle that has everything to do and go to a place that has nothing to do, you're welcome. Cedar Rapids, <laughs> Iowa, anytime. Uh, Y'all have have two dogs. Yeah, uh, that's true. That's enough for me. Awesome. Cool. Absolutely. You'll two find dogs. me on the floor rolling around with them. Video so. games. Yeah. No. Uh, wrestling. We'll 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 figure something out. We'll oh yeah. You would oh, yeah. be surprised how much of the everything to do in Seattle that I don't do ever. So <laughs> I don't think I it matters. Think, I mostly just say that because Jen constantly will talk about how there's not hitters there was Chicago. And well, I there's get it, there's but, plenty that, to do. It's just not things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you got a thing against cow tipping? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You haven't lived until you've shot a bunch of empty cans off of a fence with a BB gun, Jen. Like, come on. Yeah, we we've upgraded. Well, I guess we are on the the more uh, liberal side of the state, so BB gun would be appropriate. Uh, okay, so all right, Professor L, floor is yours. Okay, so um, as I as I stated a little bit at the beginning uh, of of this uh, episode, this is a really bonkers story. Um, because there's a lot that's going on in the background. Um, I do encourage anybody who uh, listens to this and is interested in it or wants to know more, strongly suggest that you actually pick up a physical copy of it and look at it, because the art, as I mentioned, does make the story to some degree um, and informs a lot of what's going on. Um, and again, Grant Morrison being kind of a crazy person, like this book has layers and layers and layers of like, Union and Freudian theory, theoretical physics, metaphysics, tarot, mysticism, um, drugs, like you, you name it. There's just, the, he just threw it all into the pot and was like, here's my book. Um, yeah, and, and that <laughs> seems to be a theme this season because we yeah. just did Transmetropolitan last episode and uh, all of Derek Robertson's like background imagery, like we said, there is like, 75% of the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and this book, the edition that I'm, I'm, that I used for, for, for this, um, has, um, the script in the back, which was extremely helpful to me while I was reading and, and, and writing up, uh, the, the, the notes that I took, um, because there's stuff that just doesn't make sense until you look at the script and you're like, oh, that's what's supposed to be happening. Okay. Um, you know, there's like in, in, five, six, seven paragraphs for one panel, you know, type of stuff. So um, if it seems as if this, uh, this, this walkthrough is a little chaotic, that's because the book is chaotic. <laughs> so, um, so just hold on to your butts. Yep. Um, so to begin Arkham Asylum, um, we open on a excerpt from Amadeus Arkham. Um, and he is talking about uh, the house that uh, before it became the notorious asylum that it is now um, was basically his whole world after his mother's death. Um, he recalls the first experience that he had with what he calls a dark world as a child, 
while tending to his mentally ill mother in 1901. Um, in this particular instance, he uh, was bringing her some food. She's bedridden. She's ill with a very nebulous illness. Um, and so he's, he's bringing her some food um, and, and trying to encourage her to eat. Um, and his mother replies, no, I've already eaten. And as she opens her mouth, a bunch of like beetles fall out. Of um, and so this is obviously very traumatic. Um, this is where we get our very first instance, like right away on this first page, uh, that she's mentally unwell. Um, this is, this is traumatic for, for young Amadeus, of course. And so he basically takes this trauma and kind of distances himself from it, you know, as an adult and tries to psychoanalyze it. And he's like, well, you know, the, the beetle is a symbol of death and rebirth. And, and maybe she was just trying to protect herself from the darkness. Um, and this is, this is what just what kicks off this whole thing. So like, it's going to be like this for the entire book. <laughs> so, yeah, I would, um, I would, um, I would describe this as a horror uh yeah and it's it's basic horror batman yeah it really uh, is cool um and there are notes too that that grant morrison makes it basically like um we didn't want a lot of characters to look or feel the way that they have in previous books like they, they they're they're supposed to be terrifying in here um and that's exactly what happened um that's great so we we flash forward to the present day um where batman has been summoned by commissioner gordon um as as per usual um and gordon informs him that the inmates at arkham asylum have seized control of the building and they're holding the staff hostage and making a bunch of bonkers demands um but their their most important and final request is to speak directly to batman in person um a phone is presented to him uh and the joker is on the line because of course he is of course he is. um it's also important to note here that there's a calendar in this panel it's april 1st it's april fool's day um this is going to be a recurring theme throughout this book um, Joker wants Batman to join them in the madhouse where he belongs, quote unquote, um, and tells him that he's going to gouge out the eyes of a 19 year old staff member named Pearl with a pencil that she'd been using, been using to draw because she's uh, somewhat of an artist, I guess, on the side. Um, over the phone, uh, Batman then hears her screaming as she's stabbed in the eye. Um, he, of course, is appalled and, and angry and decides that the only recourse he has at this point now is to do exactly what the Joker asks of him. And to go to the asylum. Um, Batman also lets Commissioner Gordon know that he's a little bit afraid that the Joker might be right. Um, that sometimes he feels he behaves irrationally, and once the, he enters the asylum, he'll feel like he belongs there. This is not <laughs> subtle. Think, Bruce. Yeah, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Can I like? We've all known this for a while. <laughs> Batman mm -hmm. is one of those characters where, like, every superhero is like this, and I'm aware they're all absurd, and I love them so much. But like, <laughs> the second you step away from his whole thing, and I love Batman so much, this is not an indictment. It's it's immediately apparent that he's out of his mind, right? Like, yeah, yeah. like talk one of to my favorite. <laughs> One of my favorite things about Batman is that he's like, I'm going to be the dark Avenger this city deserves. The only way to fight the fear plaguing the citizens of Gotham is to become fear itself. And then one of the first things he did was make a bunch of boomerangs that looked like bats. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, <laughs> that'll really freak out those squares. Like, <laughs> right? <you> really <laughs> I love when people make fun of Captain Boomerang and I say, which one? That was which the one, one? <laughs> there's 17 or of them. batman because <laughs> that oh, is also I'm, really I'm sorry discussed. but since i he really is since i dragged the, this to a halt for no reason other than to yell about batarangs can i have you all ever any of you ever wondered about how those fucking things work 
Because yes. sometimes he throws them and they embed themselves in concrete. And other times he throws them and it like passively knocks somebody out. And I'm like, are they sharp or aren't they? Right. Or do and you like, have different it's... sets? And if not, yeah. why? If so, why not make them different shapes, dog? Because what if you grab the wrong right. one and you like bad somebody? Like, right. I mean, as somebody who's, you know, studied, uh, you know, anatomy and physiology and whatnot, like, um, if you can embed an object into concrete very easily, you're definitely going to go through their body with it, right? Like, if you hit <laughs> a person with the same amount of force and the same object, it's going to just, they're just going to freaking explode. Like, <laughs> I feel like I feel like it's kind of like going back to the Batman Arkham Asylum game because in that you have batarangs that are specifically for cutting things. You have a remote control batarang. You have a batarang for like knocking a dude out. Like so, I mean, I I kind of go by that theory that you know he has to That's hit true. he has to hit right on the the D pad in order to choose the right one. And and I mean, if he hits that button once too uh, too quickly. And just assumes that it's good to go. Yeah, he's gonna kill someone. I've, I've or just exposed. Or... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or hit himself in the face with one of the reversible ones. Like fuck. right. <laughs> right now we're 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 watching Hawkeye and just got to the episode where there are trick arrows. So yeah, I mean, yeah. If you don't know which arrow you're using, <laughs> you just yep, gotta right? be mad careful, I guess, with that utility belt. Like exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So could be so, uh, could be shark repellent spray, could be pepper spray. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? It's a mystery till you open it up. Um, so we flash. Uh, so we're going to be interspersing. Basically, the way this is written is it it flashes forward and back, and we go from backwards from uh, to to Amadeus uh, Arkham's journal uh, and experiences to the present day where Batman is in the asylum. So we're flashing back over to Amadeus's journal where he reveals that his mother died in 1920 so that's 19 years after he had this weird experience with her, his mom eating beetles um so uh, his mom died in 1920 after slitting her own throat with a pearl handled razor um she, he inherits the house and uh this is when he first kind of starts to make plans to turn it into the asylum uh at the time he's working for the state uh, psychiatric hospital in metropolis and uh, a patient named Martin Mad Dog Hawkins is referred to him. Uh, Hawkins, uh, amongst other things, uh, was also an abuse victim uh, who later became a killer that mutilates his victims' faces and genitalia. Um, and he claims that the Virgin Mary told him to do this to stop the spread of disease. Um, Arkham comes to believe that men like Hawkins are only guilty of the crime of being mentally ill and they're trapped in the penal system without any treatment or hope of recovery. Um, that night, he has a nightmare that is extremely psychosexual involving the quote unquote tunnel of love and the imagery is exactly pretty much what you'd expect. Um, and uh, he dreams that people from the other side of the mirror arch. Um, he's very at this point, even even at this early stage, uh, already starting to, to uh, follow down the, the footsteps of his deceased mother. Um, he's starting to lose it. Um, back in the present day. Batman has arrived at Arkham and he is greeted by the Joker and the aforementioned Pearl that he had been holding hostage. Um, Pearl is revealed to actually be just fine. Uh, her eyes are intact. Everything about her is intact. Oh, good. Um, and, uh, you know, Batman, of course, is like, what the fuck? And, and uh, Joker screams, April Fool, you know, because he's funny. Um, 
Well, that's his whole thing. I, I get it screaming. now. Like the, like the whole clown get up. Exactly. That's why he does yeah, that. I'm okay. about to break, oh God, about just to break your me. mind, Ryan. That's why they call him the Joker. <laughs> oh, because of the. Okay. Because the on. jokes. I'm, He's got give me a second. Jokes. I gotta write this down. <laughs> that's why the condiment king has cust- mustard and ketchup and shit. I get it now. By the oh, way, yeah. Kite man? Because he's wearing a big kite. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see how yeah, many I, obscure I, ass villains. Yeah. Jeez. Calendar man. Um, can I, I love calendar man. Can I ask actually quickly what? Um, Because I yes. can't see it. I'm I'm literally, I've got it in my Amazon card. I'm going to fucking buy this as soon as the show's <laughs> over when I can legally read it. What, um, what? What is Batman's costume like in this era? Does he have like the yellow and black emblem or is it like the... So see batman the, at this yeah. point all you're what? seeing is like shadows that uh are you yeah very dave mckeon like shadowy figures so you're not seeing his face you're not seeing anything other than the cowl and the cape like in various right it's kind of cool. like um are you familiar at all with the darkness the top cow thing in the witchblade universe yeah a bit yeah a I, bit. I, I, okay yeah. yeah there was a there was a game ba- two games based on it but that's like, how I know it. In that, when he envelops himself all in shadow, like you can't make out anything other than it's a black, it's it's like a Rorschach blot. Um, I'm picturing yeah, kind of like on the animated series when they do this and you saw like the outline of him and just like the eye, like the white yeah. eye holes, but yeah. not. Yeah, it's very really similar to cape, that. The cape also kind of forms shadowy tendrils that the cape wouldn't actually make. So like there are That's tendrils cool. coming off of it. And the thing is, the ears are always like a foot high and very thin. Ooh, so they're like, it's, almost it's, like horn. It's done. It's it's done that way very specifically. Like it it does note in the script part that it's it's done that way basically because um, this is a bat. I mean, this is a Batman story, but it's not really about Batman. Right. Um, and so he's kind of this ambiguous, dark, cloaked, creepy figure because everybody else is like this is a very dark book like in in both the art and the storytelling and uh the art informs that uh part of the story for sure like he's just this amorphous black blob who's got the 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 bare outline of being batman like you recognize that's batman but you don't see bruce or 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 any like facial features it's just cool dark bat (laughs) um so um so yeah so he uh he releases Pearl um, and to you know go free and uh, and welcomes Batman inside the asylum. Uh, as he does, he also grabs Batman's ass and tells him, "Loosen up, tight ass." And I feel like this is the first comic I can think of that really leans into that whole Joker has a boner for Batman and Batman is open horny for Joker idea. I cannot think of another time I've read a comic that was this um, explicit about that because there are a couple times during the course of the story where Joker like. I don't know if hitting on is the right word, but it's like aggressively sexual towards Batman. Um, and, and so folks. like, what's that? 1989 folks. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there's a lot of, there's a lot going on. Um, <laughs> I know I'm going to keep saying that over and over again, but just <laughs> trust me. Um, so this, this kind of makes that a little bit explicit. Like he's, he, he legitimately gropes Batman's ass, which is uh, a choice. Um, so, um, so yeah, so the lunatics are running the asylum now uh, and the art on this two panel spread is just absolutely cuckoo. It is chaos inside this asylum. Um, there's, there's 
it's hard to describe these panels. Um, again, you get kind of have to see for yourself, but like it's just it is exactly what you would expect when you hear the phrase the lunatics are running the asylum um there's voices clamoring everywhere there's um you know it just it just looks like visual madness um, is it d20 um, inside of a mouth for some reason yeah yeah there's there's all <laughs> kinds of shit happening um we meet uh dr cavendish who has been given a red clown nose and a little bit of clown face paint um and uh, he begs Joker to, to stop this madness, which is probably a poor choice of words for him, but a deliberate one on Morrison's part. Um, <laughs> Pretty insensitive for a, yeah. a psychiatric professional to use that <laughs> term, but. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Um, Joker, of course, declines to stop this madness. Uh, and Batman notices there, there are a couple uh, non-inmates that are still here, uh, despite Joker's promise that he'd release all the hostages once Batman showed up. Um, this is when we find out that a couple of administrators and, and uh, employees decided to stay behind in order to continue on with their duty. Uh, one of them is named Ruth Adams, and she's a psychotherapist. And then the aforementioned Dr. Cavendish, who is, you know, a doctor. Um, There's no amount of money on fucking right? planet Earth that would make me be like, well, I'm a professional and I'm going to keep organizing this file cabinet uh, while this character <laughs> fills the fucking place with fear gas. Like, absolutely not. Right. What's the matter with I just, you? I just had this visual of you, like, in this little, like, office room, just kind of hunched over a keyboard, sort of hesitantly tapping on a couple notes, like, I'm filling just, out a Google spreadsheet. And... <laughs> I just got a couple more of these to get done, and then my inbox is at zero. I've never had it before. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And like that—that that <laughs> is a joke. How that goes to everyone that's ever had a job. <laughs> uh -huh. oh, exactly, exactly. So yeah, I mean, I don't know what they're getting paid, but soul. it's not enough. <laughs> no, no amount of money. Also, I think it, this is—you know—this this theme of like the asylum getting overrun by the by the villains, you know, has happened in a bunch of things, and obviously the the games that this comic is or that are based on this comic do that very well. The first one, but. Uh, I don't think it occurred to me until like right now, kind of in this horror context, how like how fucking scary that would actually be. If right. That's a, right. Know, and that's like the Batman has like does, some of the best villains and they're this, horrifying. This book actually does a really good job of making it scary. Like some of these these yeah. villains that kind of seem um, kind of goofy and we'll get to this later. But some of the villains that seem kind of goofy are actually rendered in a much more terrifying context down the line but we'll we'll get to that right um well and the 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 other thing since we're we're on a, a pause from the story is i wanted to talk for a second about ruth adams uh the psychotherapist because the way that she is portrayed is like ice cold like yeah she's lighting a cigarette while she's explaining to batman that they insisted on staying and introducing herself like she is like cool as a cucumber lighting a cigarette meanwhile like cavendish is like <laughs> yeah yeah so she's she's she is cold as hell um so it's it's at this point in the story that joker notices that harvey dent otherwise known as two-face um has gone to the bathroom on the floor while hiding underneath a table um two-face very timidly explains that he he can't he couldn't decide what to do because there are too many options and batman is like what in the actual fuck is going on here um this is when ruth steps in and ruth explains that as part of his cure they took his coin away you know his his uh he's got the coin that's scarred on one side and, and normal on the other um well they took his coin away and got him to use a d6 so that he would have a you know six decision option uh, and then they gradually moved him to tarot cards um and this is also where i should point out too tarot imagery features very heavily throughout this book yep um cool so um 
they they move him to tarot cards and then they eventually uh they plan on eventually porting him over to using like the I Ching. Um <laughs> so that he would have get used to be make, to making more and more decisions. I can't wait till Two Face rebrands himself as the randomizer and just like, <laughs> <laughs> still terrorizes Gotham City, but he's like the possibilities for chaos are endless. Are endless. <laughs> well, right, like, and like on the face of it, this actually does sound like a really smart and cool way to um to get him off of the fucking coin right and then to like help him um but batman I, points I'm out sure here there's that... already a dc villain name the randomizer that like <laughs> gains sentience after being an mirc uh dice bot or something <laughs> <laughs> so so Batman points out, uh, rightly so, that uh, Ruth either, either basically either fails to recognize or deliber deliberately refuses to recognize uh, that this treatment process has completely broken Harvey uh, mentally to the point where he can no longer make very basic decisions for himself, like going to the bathroom when he has to piss. Um, oh, boohoo. Welcome to fucking being an adult, Harvey. Like. <laughs> Like, do I piss myself? Yeah, do I go to the bathroom? Yeah, I don't know, like, man. Do I piss myself? You and everyone, my dog. Places? Like, <laughs> right. Right. If you so, can't handle whether or not you need to pee, wait until you have to decide whether or not you can fart right now and what's going to happen. Right. Yeah. Like, <laughs> be in an elevator with somebody you respect, Harvey, and see how that treats you. <laughs> so, so Ruth very glibly uh, informs Batman that sometimes you have to break somebody down to complete, to, you know, completely to rebuild them. Um, and it's very clear that Arkham Asylum is not a place of compassionate care for the mentally ill. No. Um, so uh, she also tells him that uh, most of the doctors feel that the Joker is beyond treatment and that he may not even be insane, that he might be, quote unquote, super sane. Um, whatever the fuck that even means, um, that, that basically like that, that he may not have control over all the sensory information he receives from the outside world. And he copes by being just as chaotic as all that feels, um, recreating oh, that's himself actually... as a new person every day and has no real personality. He is just this chaos, that's which is cool. actually, I came back around on super sanity real fast. I was like, that's the right. thing I've ever heard. And then when you explained, it, I was like, that's fucking like, he's on such a level of uh being able to hear and see and feel and w process the world beyond anything we can scope that he can't deal with all those shit he's taking in exactly that's, exactly wow, that's really Which good cool right like i was like yeah. all right sick i i can get be i can get behind that that's uh that's a nice take that i've never heard before on the joker and 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 that's and i normally full disclosure normally uh can't fucking stand the joker can't really stand this character um well, can i, I think ask it's about mainly, that like what what mainly bugs you about because, him, which is completely uh, valid of course but no totally uh mainly because uh the character has been co-opted outside of the comic books to uh very specific types of people um that really just idolize him and think that he is the bee's knees and and that's um that's not okay <laughs> like like all the people when the recent solo joker movie came out and they're like man i identify with that you know right like a lot you know like i really just i just want to emulate that you know like right like a lot like I, it's like could you hey <laughs> step back <laughs> he's dressed yeah. like a clown and he's dancing on stairs outside like right. maybe like talk to somebody bro <laughs> yeah. there are resources please please seek them out <laughs> please avail yourself right. of some help uh <laughs> exactly and that's that's basically why i don't i don't i don't much care for the character it's not that the character itself in my comics is bad it's that outside like the symbol of quote unquote the joker uh tm uh what is, they've what what it's become in in real right. life for it's the same right. way i can i can see that for, 
for context, it's the same way that I feel. And I think a lot of people feel about the Punisher. Uh, yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I actually used to like the Punisher quite yeah. a bit and through no fault of some Punisher comics. Some are some are trash, but I've read some actual sure. really good ones. And I actually think the Netflix show is extremely good. Mm -hmm. yeah, roast me, yeah, roast me sure. if you want. No, um, it's good. It's good. Not at all. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like the Netflix show quite a bit. And it's just like, God fucking damn it. Like, the yeah, it's it makes it just unsavory and it's not the material's fault. But I'm just like so grossed out by the way it's been right. co-opted by right. monsters and assholes and shit. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly that's that's exactly how I feel about the Joker as well. So. That's, right. that's, and, that's the deal here. And while we're talking about things that piss us off, it is uh, appropriate because uh, at one point the, the doctor says that the Joker's latest claim is that he's possessed by G Baron Gid, G-H-E-E, uh, -E, the voodoo Loa. Gide. Yeah. Uh, Gide is a family of Loa. Uh, the Baron that she refers to is either Samadhi or Papa Legba. Uh, there is no Baron Gide. <laughs> it's a whole like family. I feel like Grant Morrison should have known this, and I'm a little disappointed that right? that was in there. I feel like that of all people, this is the person, maybe him and Alan Moore should know what that means. Right. <laughs> right. Well, I'd also like to point out that in, in this panel, and, and Ryan, you will see when you read this, this book, um, the doctor, uh, Ruth, the doctor, there's a close-up of her face, and it almost looks like she has clown makeup on. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh. there's a lot of of that in this book and, and i i'm not i'm not able to describe every single panel right uh, yeah this is this podcast don't. but like there's <laughs> it's it is again can't stress it enough worth checking out the art in this book yeah. it is incredible um so anyways um so joker pops back in as she's shuffling through a deck of warshock cards and uh shows one of batman um he tells Batman that he sees basically a bunch of chaotic bullshit in it. He's like, oh, I see, you know, this, that, and the other thing. Not really important. It's just Joker being Joker. Um, and then asks what Batman sees. And there's really no real surprise here. Batman sees a bat. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Batman but, sees bats in like his fucking alphabet soup and shit. But this, though, like, right? this, this bat for emphasis is literally, it is a full page panel. There's nothing else on the, 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 the panel. And it is an extremely realistic drawing of a bat in flight. It's actually very pretty, um, cool. but it's but it's scary kind of too because it kind of pops out of nowhere. Um, uh, Batman, of course, then tells Joker, "I don't see anything," you know, and and uh, basically Joker taunts him by implying that Batman is sexually attracted to Robin, you know, which again is a thing going back all the way to the real life establishment of the uh, Comics Code Authority, the seduction of the innocent BS, you know, in in 1954. Um, that that this has always been a thing. Uh, the people have been like, oh, maybe he wants to bone that team. Um, Joker forces Ruth to administer a free association word test to Batman. And, uh, you know, one like a Rorschach test doesn't go super well. Uh, of course, it's all about his parents' death, uh, which Joker finds incredibly amusing. Um, back to the journals of Amadeus. Uh, at this point, um, we, we when we come upon Amadeus's journal again, He's now actively turning his childhood home into the asylum. Uh, his daughter is having nightmares. Um, and weirdly, he finds a playing card on the ground that happens to be the Joker. Uh, I'm sure this is perfectly normal. Um, it's not clear in the text or even in the script what this is. I mean, it's obviously supposed to signify like the Joker TM, but like why it's their way ahead of time again this is like where the quantum physics part comes in it's like was the joker there all along is the joker part of the asylum i don't know um <laughs> can i can i pull the stop the podcast yeah nope. yeah pulley and and ask like it's not a question that maybe has an actual comics 
answer, but what do, what do you all think is the deal with that? Unless it's so something that I, gets found out later in the comic, in which case I'm just spoiling. But like. so for for me, where I'm at, because I do I do know uh, from reading the script that this is supposed to have like seen some quantum entanglement crap or whatever, which I I love that kind of shit. Um, I I do feel like it's a signifier that um, this place is um, kind of a a madness vortex, if you will. Like it's it's always gonna have this like really bonkers energy to it um the joker is part of it he's always been a part of it he will always be a part of it um the other inmates as well um like their their madness is kind of contained in this asylum um for all time uh, and that's maybe deeper an answer than i uh than i meant to give but like that's that's kind of where i what i pull from it i don't know that's, <laughs> no, that's, that's cool. where I, that's where i am too um there are several other things that will that that refer to the larger um batman rogues gallery um because right before he finds the joker he's talking about how his daughter um since she had nightmares he blames her reading a bunch of lewis carroll which obviously there are several rogues mm -hmm. gallery characters the the mad hatter probably being the most uh well known um out yeah. of them that come directly from lewis carroll so it's yeah it's pulling this it's making you question whether or not all of the things that have happened in this house, if the house itself has some sort of supernatural power or ability, um, and, and very much giving the history of Arkham Asylum. So at the end of the day, the story is not about any of the things that are happening. It's about the house itself. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, the story is wild. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's kind of like so. it's kind of like you know, uh, uh, House on Haunted Hill. Uh, the, yeah, the comic. Like, <laughs> oh sure, yeah. No, I like that a lot. Um, that never that somehow never occurred to me as much as I love all the kind of cosmology of Arkham Asylum and Batman stuff. That like the asylum itself could be a, a factor. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like I think of it as cursed because all the fucking worst people in the world <laughs> live there all the time until they break out 78 times right. a year. And uh, <laughs> it never occurred to me like, you know, this place is like, you know, even if it didn't or originate that way, like if you believe in that kind of thing, like just having this much weird chaotic evil energy in it all the time, like soaking that shit up, you know, like right. would yeah. maybe imprint on a place. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I, that's, that's a hundred percent like where, like I said, where I think the, the quantum physics part that Grant Morrison talks about, about comes in is that it's, it's a, it's an entity into itself, like, right. out, um, like almost stuck out of uh, like out of time because hints of what will come show up in the past and hints of the past show up modern day. And then who got, God knows what's happening in the future. You know, it's, it, yeah, yeah it's, it's, definitely it's, that, that feeling of like unstuck in time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, and the art does a great way. Is it, it does a great job of of kind of conveying that. Um, I, I I hate to harp on the art so much, but really, like Dave yeah. McKean so is good. a great artist. It's so good. <laughs> um, so um, he also talks about how uh, uh, Amadeus Arkham also talks about how in 1920 uh, he goes to Europe and meets Jung um, of Jungian theory. Um, and he also meets, uh, Alistair Crowley who discusses Egyptian tarot with him and beats him at chest. Um, so he's learning, you know, it's kind of illustrating that he's learning, um, you know, psycho psychoanalytic theory, but now he's getting into like some mysticism shit. Um, 
And uh, when he returns back to the States, uh, the progress of the asylum is well underway and his wife gives him a clownfish for his aquarium. There's a bit here about clownfish. Um, so if the dominant female in, in a school of clownfish uh, dies, um, a, a male can change its sex and assume her vacated position. Uh, and this again is, is not subtle. Um, Amadeus obviously has some serious mommy issues that come into play um, both here and will also come into play later. Um, also, it could um, have been a much <clears throat> different ending of finding. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, also, also the Joker being a clown and a clownfish. Um, it, like there's an illusion here. There's a lot of weird psychosexual stuff going on with the, J the, the Joker in this entire book. And like, which I kind of like, cause it, it, I, I don't think about like, I wonder who the Joker fucks all the time. Right. It's not a thing that occurs to me, but like, <laughs> he's such this complete agent of chaos that like, I don't ever think of him as having a sexuality at all. And not in the way right. that like, not, not like, I don't mean like ace. I mean, Very like literally true. just nothing. Um, yeah. and, and it's just it's, chaos. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, well, in, in yeah. this book, in this book, his alignment, I would say, I would arguably say in this particular book, uh, the Joker's alignment is chaotically horny um yes like he he appears to be got my um, next tattoo idea thanks <laughs> he appears to be uh basically pansexual and like aggressively pansexual and um and uh also somewhat genderless um which would fit with the clownfish thing right right kind and of. that's that's why i included even talking about because it's a very brief aside in the panels but it does have some symbology there so um, and like I said, some of that stuff will come into play later. Um, so um, Arkham gets a call uh, telling him that Martin Mad Dog Hawkins, the guy that he had treated uh, previously, um, has escaped the penitentiary. He tells whoever is on the other line um, that uh, this dude is violent and dangerous, but he really can't do anything more than that and, and actually goes out as far as to say, it's not my problem. Um, so the compassion that he had originally had for this guy is kind of gone at this point. Like he went from being like, oh, it's so sad that this clearly mentally ill person is just getting incarcerated and not getting help to now always escape. Well, it's not really my problem. Yeah. He's kind of, you know, it's kind of violent. Like, look out, good luck out there. Bye. Click, you know, <laughs> um, Best wishes to you. Right. <laughs> um, Thoughts and prayers. So, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> So, um, so we go back to Batman in the present day and uh, Joker suggests a game of hide and seek for Batman to play with the other inmates who are basically all the villains that he's put away there over the years um, up to uh, and, and including but not limited to um, Scarecrow, Dr. Destiny, Killer Croc, um, the whole shebang. Um, Batman originally, you know, initially is like, I'm not going to play your game, but uh, the Joker randomly just kills a guard and then tells Batman that there's no escape from, from this asylum. And he, ha he has to run. He has an hour before everybody comes, starts looking for him. Um, Batman does. There is a very strange scene as he is running where he basically has the only way I can describe this is a PTSD flashback to his parents being killed. Um, and, this causes Batman to punch through a mirror and stab himself in the hand with some of the broken glass uh, from the mirror before he even really realizes what he's doing. Um, it startles Batman and it startles the reader both. It is our first indication that maybe um, maybe Batman isn't as fearless as, as he has let on. Um, 
the inmates, meanwhile, are, are already getting restless. Uh, Joker then says, hey, let's just pretend it's been an hour and the game is on. <laughs> um, so everybody's now looking for Matt. Um, we cut back to um, Amadeus Arkham and now it's it's 1921, April 1st to be exact, April 1st, 1921. Um, he comes home from work to find his wife and daughter murdered and brutally, gruesomely mutilated. Um, his daughter in particular has been beheaded. Um, her head has been placed in her dollhouse and the words mad dog have been carved into her torso. Uh, and this is where Amadeus continues his descent into madness himself. His response to this is to put on his mother's wedding dress and wander around the house. Hmm. So, you know, a perfectly normal reaction. Just, just out here having a normal one. Yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> just kicking it. Just you know, wearing your mom's wedding dress. Um, is there, can I pull the stop button again? Yes. You don't pull buttons. Sorry, I did that wrong. I broke it. You can pull. <laughs> N- did name, hey, Josh, real quick, name one button. You can do that too. Just go ahead and just name it. Just say, describe it right now. Emergency brake on an elevator. Yep. Emergency brake on an elevator. But that's not a, oh. that's not a, not it a button. It is a button. Though, right? It is a button because if you could push it, people would lean on it, pull it <laughs> to stop the elevator and press it to start the elevator. Ah, okay. Sorry. Right. I'm no, no. That way. Don't be sorry. I, I, I asked to be made a fool of and I, you've achieved it. Beautifully. <laughs> <laughs> so. All in the effort to save face for you. Yeah. In the first place. This thing is this is. thing is really double twisting back on itself, huh? Um, I forgot why I why I pulled the no. the extremely no, specific no. stop button for the podcast now. Oh, I wanted oh, to ask if the um if the art differs at all in any notable way between the modern day scenes and the Amadeus scene. Yes. Um, um yeah. There are a lot more vibrant reds, a lot more um because obviously when you're when he walks in and he's dealing with his his wife and child being murdered, especially in this scene, um there is red everywhere and it looks like congealing uh between Oof. panels. Yeah. There is a there is a whole section where it looks like there is blood soaked white lace. Um, it, the the yeah the imagery like to go past that the imagery it's it's impossible to describe. It is so you are locked into this world. And when Leia said he's horrified and the reader is horrified, it's very accurate because it's him coming home. And usually yeah, it, at that point in the in the flashbacks, it's a little darker. There's like stained glass usually in the background, but everything is in this series of like little color, but mostly grays and blacks. Um, once he witnesses all the murders, everything there, everything in the background is red with these panels that come down where you like see his daughter's decapitated head looking through the window of a dollhouse. Yeah, yeah. it is good night. Nuts. Um, mm-hmm. but usually the flashbacks are you can tell you're in a flashback. Um because, and I can't even really describe it, it's different grays, blacks, and whites than the rest of the comic has a bunch of grays, blacks. Okay, um, yeah. Yeah, and, and the word bubbles, like Arkham uh, in this has a very specific tone, and I think he also has a very specific font. Yeah, the lettering for him is different um, right. because it's more handwritten looking. Right, um, and it subtly clues you in that you're now in the past. Yeah. Okay, that's neat. So, um, okay, so where were we? Uh, I've lost my place. Oh, there he's we go. Okay, so he's Miss Havishamming. 
yes, he's Miss Havishaving, <laughs> Miss Havishaming around the house. Um, and that's where we leave him uh, as we flash forward back to Batman. Um, Batman encounters, uh, as he's wandering through this asylum, kind of um, low-key panicked, um, he encounters Clayface. Now, the Clayface that we see here is notably different than what we've seen in previous Batman comics. This one is sickly looking and skinny. Looks and like a goblet. Looks like, yeah, he looks very diseased. In fact, at one point he says, my skin is sick. Um, I huh. did not understand who, like, this character was so unrecognizable that I actually did consult the um, the script for this because I was like, who the fuck is this supposed to be? Um, this actually, uh, it says directly in the notes, alert, re alert readers will perceive him as aids on two legs and realizes that he represents the fear of what lies beyond the curtain in the tunnel of love. If we take all the encounters with villains as corresponding to various psychological states, then this one is Batman's fear of sexuality is something intrinsically unclean. Wow. Okay. That is a lot. Yeah. Like it is. He's Remember, kids, really if gross. you go in the vagina, you're going to find AIDS. Yeah. And and, and like, yep. that's why I pointed out the, the tunnel of love panel, because I didn't get graphic and describe it, but it is clearly a um, vagina. Yeah. A vagina. It um, has hair. It, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's red, like like a reddish pink. Um, it's, um, you know, it, there's a lot of, like I said, there's a lot of weird psychosexual stuff going on uh, here. And this is this is definitely one of them. So this is kind of a Clayface is meant to be sort of a metaphor for like STDs, AIDS, uh, that kind of thing. Um, I'm pulling the I'm pulling the stop button again. I'm yo, just going to yes. keep calling it the button now that's that I've been proven fine. that there are examples of buttons you can pull. Fuck yes. it. Um, <laughs> have I, I keep I feel like I'm supposed to be asking on this podcast questions that are actually have canonical com comics answers. <laughs> it's not but really, instead, but, yeah. but instead I'm just getting all like uh, you know conceptual with it. Have any Have any of you all ever? perceived batman you know before or outside of this comic as having a fear of sexuality like he's afraid of a lot of shit i think it's very clear you don't dress up like a fucking bat and theme well, all your shit like a bat and run around the city think, beating I up mean, beating i think up he people. has a fear of commitment for valid reasons um, and there was that whole like to do uh not too long ago about how batman doesn't eat pussy so like <laughs> forgot about that oh <laughs> it's only one kind of cave he likes uh hanging out inside i was about to say you don't you don't date selena kyle and not you know drop the bat ears i'm just saying yo for real though like <laughs> She wouldn't stick around for somebody who doesn't no eat shit. out. Like, yeah, no. She's and good like, on her for that. And good for her right? for having standards. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so it's always um, confusing your pistols with private. So Batman, Batman is actually um <laughs> Batman is actually startled um by Clayface. Um just kind of he's just shambling around all gross. And um, you know, he's like, Batman, help me. You know, I only you can help me, Batman. I just want to share my disease. And um he's he reaches out towards batman and batman is pretty much screams don't touch me um and as he's getting closer basically batman sort of half pushes past him half um ninja kicks his leg ninja kicks his leg <laughs> like basically like take that like, gonorrhea <laughs> yeah they're like in a corridor and, and he's trying to both get past him and like not like so he kicks at him and it breaks his leg um oh god and um and and so uh batman tries to to escape from him um and and, and runs down this this corridor um clearly afraid now 
um, very clearly afraid, which is again a departure from Batman that we've seen in known previous to this, right? Like he's actually afraid of of these these people. Um, he happens to come across Doctor Destiny's um, wheelchair, um, and uh, he is calling for Clayface, um, and Clayface obviously is has been he's been ninja kicked uh, and can't walk. Um, but he's calling out for Clayface because he wants Clayface to, to push him around in his wheelchair. Um, and as he turns his head, as you know, he uh, sees, and you can't really see very well in the panel because it's just a big shadow, but basically Batman's foot kicks the back of his chair and sends him like careening down a flight of stairs um, where oh, he is tipped out of the chair and um, is just, you know, next panel is just him just lying motionless at the bottom of the stairs. Um, and Batman is at the top of the stairs, just kind of in silhouette, uh, looking down emotion. Um, <laughs> Still uh, adhering to Batman's famous no kill policy. I see. Right. Like, yeah, he's just he's just murking people up <laughs> right here. He's done. Like he's 100 percent done. Um, and uh, as he's again, like kind of so he, he continues on his path and sees um, the scarecrow just kind of shambling along and, and kind of ducks into a cell to hide from him. Um, and, uh, this cell actually has, um, the Mad Hatter in it and he is smoking a hookah. Um, Batman legitimately does not know how to react to this. Um, this series of panels as well is also pretty much what you would expect in terms of, um, like, you know, you think of the Mad Hatter, you think of Elsa in Wonderland, you think of like, you know, uh, in the script, it, de- it deliberately evokes, uh, Jefferson, it says, right, imagine now that you can hear Jefferson Airplane's White Rabbit begin to play and continue mm-hmm. throughout this scene. And that's exactly what it looks like. Um, and uh, Mad Hatter is clearly on drugs or or essentially so crazy that he might as well be on drugs. Um, Extremely he, common item to find in any uh, house of psychiatric care. Oh, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Who does this? Is, this is also way super more disturbing if you understand what like yeah. the man yeah uh um because there's a lot of implications of i want to fuck with yeah oh, no. yeah he's like he's talking to to batman in this scene and like um you know it's not the conversation is not particularly uh savory um he's talking of course about you know how you know this is this is this house does things to people it fucks with your head um, but as he's talking, he's fondling this headless doll of a little girl. Um, and he's pulling up its dress and he's talking about how children interest him. And, um, you know, each each child is is order out of chaos or is it the other way around. Um, you know, to know them is to know myself, but little girls especially. Um, Batman just does not know how to fucking deal with this at all. Um, he is just staring at him while 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 uh the mad hatter is talking and is like there's no violence there's no anything he's just kind of like what the fuck well i think that if i may this one thing that's kind of hitting me that i think is really cool and interesting about this scenario of this comic is that batman's end game for every villain he has is stuff them in arkham asylum right so now he's in a situation where like they're already here like yeah. he's got to kind of solve the fact that they're running around controlling place but like if he's just in his like what do you do at this point he's never had any solution past this right, and right. so i think i think it's interesting to see him in this situation where it's like 
Bruce, you haven't fucking thought this out. Like now, what do you do now? Like you're not, yeah. you're not solving the issue that causes these people to exist, which is kind of you, let's be real. Uh, in a lot of ways, you're just, you know, it's, it's interesting to see him like not have a next step because Batman right, always, exactly. always has a next step. Yeah. And now it's like, what do you do? Yeah, the he's the world's greatest this, detective. I mean, right. shit. The other yeah. part of this scene in particular is that um, it's not obvious at the beginning, but it is that um, the Mad Hatter is in a cell behind glass. Um, yes. So, oh, wait, hang on. I think yeah. I know what you're getting getting to, and I'm gonna sure. I'm gonna get to that right now. Do it. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> so um, talks about how uh, sometimes the Mad Hatter is talking about how sometimes I I think the asylum is a head uh, that dreams us all into being. Um, perhaps it's your head, Batman. And as Batman walks towards him, um, he says, Arkham is a looking glass and we are you. And Batman reaches out and it's just a mirror. He's looking at himself, his, his own reflection. Um, there's nothing there. Shit. Like him. like he's it's drawn in such a way where the glass the Mad Hatter was actually really behind is reflecting or it's he's like now yeah. reflecting. Back. It's now reflecting. Yeah. Back. Okay. Okay. Um, so, yeah, fuck up. That's really um, good though. Yeah. <laughs> Do not read this on drugs. No. <laughs> That's really good because, no. like, I know it's a it's not a a new theory, but like, you know, I've I've really liked the idea. Uh, it's not like my head cannon thing, but like, definitely, I like the playing with the flow, the idea that Batman is out of his mind, like literally, and all these people like are just in his head. They're just personifications of things he can fight and deal with because he can't handle or process his grief. You know, right. like yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I like the idea that there's there's a read of this where the Mad Hatter really wasn't in there ever uh, or existed in any way. And this is just uh, kind of highlighting that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like there's so this 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 book also leaves a lot of stuff kind of open to the reader's interpretation as well. So like that could definitely be this could definitely be interpreted in a number of different ways. Like, yeah, like you said, like, is it is it just a, a manifestation of of his mental illness? Is this an actual villain? uh is it a combination of, of you know the former and the latter like it's who knows i don't know it's creepy um <laughs> well and it's been done both in the comics and in other media um you know the idea that bruce is actually in a self-delusion this entire time in a catatonic state thinking up this other stuff through the trauma of its death um you know kind of it was done much better in a buffy episode but uh same kind of theory yeah. Yeah. I dig that a lot. It's very, uh, very haunting yeah. to, to mm -hmm. think of that being the case. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, so at this point now we flash back, um, again to 1921 and, uh, despite everything, um, the Elizabeth Arkham Asylum for the Criminally Insane opens in November, 1921. Um, one of Arkham's first patients is the aforementioned mad dog. Um, Arkham treats him for six months before, um, on the anniversary of his wife and child's death on April 1st, he quote unquote accidentally gives him too much electroshock and basically just electrocutes him to death. Uh huh. Um, he notes that it was treated as if it were an accident. Uh, you know, these things happen. Um, but he does remark in his journal that um, even though this, this man who killed his wife and child brutally um, is dead, he doesn't really feel any um i'm pulling the stop button again yeah nope. Lay, i'm sorry i didn't mean to inter interrupt you as you're no you're fine um this is brutal and awful and I, I don't mean to take away from the scene itself but i'm actually like literally trying to think of it now can any of you name one fucking time that arkham asylum successfully rehabilitated anybody 
no i cannot i don't no. think it's a place of rehabilitation because <laughs> <No>. they are because <laughs> I, mean, I mean there are there are examples of think they're re- yeah but it's um, always takes these backsies with that shit right. like every time uh yeah like i i just realized like that the whole point of it is supposed to be that like you treat these people so they get less insane right uh and i would imagine eventually you know serve their time and if they are pronounced sane and renounced their their crazy you know freeze ray or whatever the fuck that they right. can go just live a a, a semi-normal life in the worst city in the world but that's never it's never happened one time i can't think of a single character who is actually successfully maxi zeus yes he was <laughs> cured for a while until joker uncured him <laughs> so i mean cured him like <laughs> i mean some of those things is like yes it's successful except there's a bunch of other people that's like that's not okay uh you can't be you can't be cured so they'll grab them and torture them back into insanity <laughs> yeah again. i know it's I, it's comic books and i know like i understand yeah. i'm not trying to be one of those nitpicky nerds who like I get it, but we can all agree like Arkham Asylum is like one of the most unsuccessful uh, institutions yes. like in the fucking like <laughs> fictional world, right? Like Gotham City as a, uh, you know, the the city council would have stepped in forever ago and been like, we got to shut this place down and burn this island to the ground. Like it's right. not doing anything. I feel you like Arkham Asylum right. is not sending us their best people. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm starting to think. As the, as the, I will provide an answer that is not correct i think that arkham views arkham asylum as a jail however it provides so many people right it's privately it's owned. a job yeah. creator in it's this a job creator. Yeah. <laughs> if they cured everyone they would be out of a job well yes exactly yeah well that and you know they just they know that no one is ever really actually get cured but you know, hey, maybe this is where some uh, very famous psychological practices and education institutions say, hey, I know what will make you an excellent psychologist. Go work here. Right. <laughs> you will either become an excellent psychologist or another Harley Quinn. Or die. <laughs> yeah, or, or die, die. horribly. <laughs> like, yeah. listen, I get it. The Riddler does escape every month and fill a hospital full of question mark bombs. But think of the economy if we shut this place <laughs> right. down. Right. Exactly. Think of all of the construction workers in Gotham that get to build a new hospital. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Gotham definitely has more construction cranes than Seattle, like oh, yeah. a thousand. <laughs> this is well, it, Arkham is Asylum really what... is important to the infrastructure of Gotham City. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, is like I'm sure that like the Penguin and a bunch of the more fiscally minded criminals are behind all of the construction company because they're like, okay, well, even oh, if we yeah. get put in Arkham when we escape, we'll have more money because we keep blowing up buildings. It's like it's 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 a Cerberus eating its own tail. <laughs> the the <laughs> world's greatest detective has never put Cobras. together cobblespot construction company might be linked to the penguin. Well, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> I mean the penguin is smart enough to put it behind the company. Oh no, for sure. Companies. I just uh, like but, the idea of him putting his name like right on the cranes right, and shit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but at, but at the end of that all of that, yes, he is he is actually the uh CEO of Penguin House Publishing. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> go home <laughs> i am home uh, anyways well, this has been the last episode of rent conversation <laughs> everyone uh. that was so bad i'm sorry um so um so yeah so sorry i'm just straight up uh 
electrocutes this guy that killed his wife and kids but like the vengeance that he he gets by doing so just very much does not bring him any particular fulfillment he doesn't feel better after this person's dead uh, and i also feel like this is a metaphor for batman as well um uh arkham also was doing a lot of weird shit at this point in his life like routinely walking the corridors of the asylum between three and four in the morning hearing laughter from empty cells um covering up the mirrors in his study to make the laughter stop um at this point he believes genuinely believes that the house is alive um and that it craves madness and he also feels that he's lost within this house like he uh at this point i would i would say that it's fair to state and i'm not a psychotherapist but i feel like this guy is just completely gone cuckoo bananas at this point um <laughs> the clinical term <laughs> i also i'm noticing a captain obvious over here i'm sure everyone else has thought of this already but i'm noticing the corollary between amadeus like covering up mirrors and batman mm -hmm. busting the fuck out of one earlier like yeah you know, I, i'm yeah. seeing a lot of ties between the two of these people and how damaged they are right and how uh who was it that um how, how the Mad Hatter's like, you know, you're you're a reflection of us, we're a reflection of you, this kind of thing. There's a lot of mirror yeah. imagery going on in here. This place um, is a brain that dreams us and maybe it's your brain. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, fittingly, because this is a story about an asylum, again, there is a lot of like deep psychoanalytical theory uh, going on in here, but it's- Oh it's, God, and also like horrifically losing your family. Like I did right. I just put that together, like shit. Yeah, exactly. Oh, no. Exactly, yeah. So and yeah, because covering the mirror is also something you do, um, in mourning, right? Like um, I know in Judaism we do that. Um, Victorians did it. Um, you know, you, you cover up your mirrors, um, and so yeah, that that could that definitely factor in as well. Um, so back to the present day, um, Batman encounters Maxi Zeus, which is a character that I will fully admit I am not familiar with at all. Um, this is still somebody. I think this is the only time I've ever seen him in a comic that I've read, a DC comic that I've read. I'm and trying to um, remember. But it, I, uh, I, I will the also comic is that uh, Kevin's. Oh, OK, I've not read that. Is. I'm not um, our, our our listeners may already know, but just in case this is inexplicably your first episode, I am far more of a Marvel person than a DC person, which um, may seem like a total lie if you've been listening for most of this season, as I've done like a ton of DC shit this season. But really, no, genuinely, my experience is mainly with Marvel. Um, so this is a villain that I'm not super familiar with, but um, he is he claims to be part man part woman and part electricity um these panels are <laughs> um and, and again it's like that correlation of that clownfish right like the genderless or the gender fluidity or gender gender shifting um he doesn't really look to be any particular gender um in this uh but he's in a very blue um ozone looking set of panels um very bright lots and, of like wire um, images yeah um and part and man part woman part electricity i'm sorry i'm just picturing david bowie since <laughs> right <seen> yes <laughs> uh, if, if that would actually if this were if this were a film that's that's definitely i would cast him as hello, that um um i'm ziggy stardust so um he's he he is he wants batman to you know come and, and and gaze upon the lord thy god you know maxi zeus um and um he is holding a barrel on um, the barrel has a lot of like flies and kind of grime 
on it. Uh-oh. And he says that it's, and I'm going to quote this directly here. This is a very strange interlude. Um, Gift of my body, divine, fertile. It shall transform the dry lands of Africa into the perfumed orchards of paradise, and men will worship me anew. For I am Zeus, Lord of ECT, God of Electric Retribution. Is there jizz so in the barrel? Is there jizz in the yeah, barrel, he, Leia? Is there jizz in the barrel? Not, it's not jizz. It appears, and I'm, what I'm guessing, because we don't see what's in the barrel, but I'm going to go ahead and guess, given what he's just described, that it's actually probably his shit. Like, he's just been saving shit in a barrel <laughs> cool. to use as, like, fertilizer, you know, again, evoking the Egyptian uh god oh god what is it um i'm blanking now the god of the, the rivers um oh no not him um basically the one that makes that makes the river uh you know go through the cycles of flooding and renews it set if my historian wife were here she would but she's smarter than me so i've got nothing for you yeah um listeners please don't get mad at me for suddenly forgetting all my um egyptian mythology but point being uh hoppy um oh there we go okay. but that's google not me Okay. Well, no, I will that. trust. It sounds correct. Um, I will. I will trust Google. Um, but yeah. So he's got this barrel full of what appears to be shit, and he's talking about how he's going to essentially use it to fertilize Africa. Um, well, then I don't he think switches to Christian. Yeah. Because he says, um, "Eat, drink. This is my body. This is my blood." Yeah. Um, and he also says the ACDC altar awaits. Now, um, this has a dual meaning. Um. Again, because I, well, triple if you count band, uh, which I right because Batman's um, on the highway to hell. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> not to be confused. He is very iron. much back in black all the time. Uh, nice. <laughs> um, he's about to be thunderstruck. Oh my god! Okay, stop now. <laughs> <laughs> I will turn this podcast around. That's right. I will help you, Leia. Josh from my Zoom call. <laughs> so. Um, but the ACDC here in particular that he's talking to, of course, has the obvious meaning of like ACDC current, but also um, that's like a kind of a very 80s slang for um, homosexuality. Right. Right. Um, and oh, OK. And, and again, with the Egyptian mythology of, of uh, you know, these these sort of genderless deities and, you know, like, again, all the psychosexual shit. Um, this, there's a lot to unpack in here. Um and again, he looks kind of genderless in this. I, I use the word he because traditionally it's a he. Traditionally, he's a he, but in this, he could be a they. Um, Batman again does not quite know what to do with this, so he just turns and walks away. Um, it is kind of implied that this uh, Maxi Zeus fella is like attached to the room, attached to the to the ECT room, like with all the wires and shit that are coming out of him that he can't leave. So he just kind of stays there and Batman dips. Batman is like, two nuts for me. I'm out. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, again, it, it keeps reinforcing my idea that like he they're already in the asylum. This is always his end game. There's he's never gotten this far to like having next step past that. Yes, his solutions exactly. to things don't work very well. <laughs> <laughs> so when we when we cut back to um we cut back to to amadeus and he is at this point um clearly not well mentally um he's having difficulties with time he's having difficulties with you know friendship relationships his friends try to take him to the to the opera and he really has no interest in it because he's fucking insane at this point Mm -hmm. um specifically so, they take him to parsifal which is uh an opera about 
the quest for the Holy Grail. Yeah. Which, which you know, which it links to the scene before. So everything yeah. in this kind of links in some way, in a weird fucking way, but in some way. Yeah. Um, at this point now, he's he's doing mushrooms. Um, he's eating uh, Amanita mushrooms. Um, and not the tasty kind that kind of make you trip balls. There are two very different types of Amanita mushrooms. Um, and um, so he's like, you know, he's like, yeah, you know, I've ingested three of the, the Amanita mushrooms. Uh, so far, no effect. And then abruptly, I become convinced that the house is alive and trying to communicate with me. Um, he turns and he looks at the aquarium that he has and he sees um, two clownfish um, swimming, basically, that make the sign of the Pisces symbol. Um, and uh, Pisces is the astrological attribution of the moon card in the tarot pack, a symbol of trial, initiation, death, and rebirth. Um, and so now we set into a series of panels where Amadeus is talking, but we are looking at Batman. Um, so I will try to describe this as best I can. So in the background of, of this spot, um, Batman encounters Killer Croc and begins fighting with him. Um, there is no dialogue between them. Um, Killer Croc looks almost like Godzilla. Like he's he's kind of but like like scary Godzilla, not like not, not like cute like uh, you know seventies Godzilla. Like he looks pretty terrifying. Like he's got big red eyes. He's hulking, huge, scaly, um, gross. Um, I love when the comics draw, which they usually do when they draw Killer Croc, really scary. Yes, yeah. because that's yeah. his whole thing. Like he doesn't have any shtick other than just being like a big freaky monster. And it, I love when they make him actually horrifying. Yeah. I will I will uh, interject and say that I also love that this is one of the things the Batman Arkham Asylum game really took to heart because yeah. when you fight Killer Croc, you don't fight Killer Croc. You're constantly running from Killer Croc. Yeah, you just gotta, <laughs> your only recourse is to get the fuck out of there. Like, yeah. and he hunts you like a monster. Yes. It's so and good. And eventually you just fucking hit him with the Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yep. again batman's endgame solutions for things are real nuanced and good <laughs> so um so as he's fighting killer croc as batman is fighting killer croc um the the captions are all from from amadeus's journal and um he talks about how um he like parsifal from from wagner's opera he he has to confront uh the unreason threatens him that he has to go alone into this dark tower and face the dragon within and of course on that panel is killer croc um and that he's only afraid of one thing is which is what if he's not strong enough to to defeat it um you know what if what if he can't beat this madness basically um and now the drugs are really taking hold um and it's making him feel anxious and afraid um and he is slowly just becoming terrified um as batman is is fighting him uh, is, is fighting uh killer croc um he is partially at least briefly uh thrown out a window and manages to catch himself um on like one of the uh outcroppings of this giant victorian building um and um amadeus is talking about how he's running blindly through through the madhouse and he can't even pray because he has no god um and batman kind of rises up pulls himself up in front of basically this um not a gargoyle but like a statue of like a like an angel except the angel doesn't look like it doesn't quite look like a 
ain't i mean it is it's got it's a person with wings but it's I, shirtless and it's got like a buzz cut and i took it as uh both an angel but also a represent of uh, the roman fear yes yeah yeah it, it's a very unusual looking angel um for sure um but he does he is holding uh a spear at which batman then takes um and he goes back at killer croc um they again this, all this is happening in the background with no dialogue um and amadeus is talking about how uh, and again this is a direct quote doors open and close applauding my flight keyholes bleed a corner uh, a, a choir of sexually named children sings my name over and over again um so yeah he's not well um yeah. batman finally uh manages to stab killer croc with this spear and um as he does uh arkham's journal kind of mirrors this and says you know what wounds are these i am addis on the pine christ on the cedar odin on the 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 world ash um so there's a lot of that type of imagery going on in the panels behind um hung on the windy tree for nine whole nights wounded with the spear dedicated to odin you know and he's pulling batman's pulling the spear out of killer croc as it breaks um and uh arkham is talking about how um he peels the tape from the mirror uh so so hard that he breaks his fingernail uh, until he can see himself in the glass and he says um i stare into old familiar eyes mother so again those mommy issues come in hard um and uh he talks about how he, he fainted at that point when he sees his mother in the mirror in front of him um and he could no longer uh, tell where where the dragon of, of this madness uh, ended and where he began, uh, which is also a great Radiohead song, by the way. <laughs> um, <laughs> I always, always got to mention Radiohead. Um, so Batman then finally kind of emerges um, and finds Dr. Cavendish. Dr. Cavendish has, uh, has Ruth with like a straight razor um and um she's she's telling him you know don't don't come don't don't come near him and she's telling batman don't come near him he, you know cut me just stay back um and it's it's revealed that the cavendish is the one who freed the inmates and allowed it to happen <clears throat> um and this was done because cavendish found this journal he found arkham's journal um and uh cavendish urges batman to you know to, to read it um to, you know that he's he's marked a place for batman to read um and it's 1920 um and it describes basically this experience he had um where his mother was was lying you know again mentally ill lying in bed and is, is screaming you know you know it's here it's here you know it's, it comes every night you know i can see it it's come for me um and uh it turns out that she is terrified of a bat um it is a bat that has been uh tormenting her um and so he he promises his mother that you know it, it won't take you i won't let it i won't let it hurt you don't be afraid um and it's revealed that he is actually the one who has slit his mother's throat it is not his mother his mother is not committed suicide he has killed her um and he realizes that madness is his, his birthright. He was born into this, you know, this, this, he says that it's his, his inheritance, his destiny. Um, and puts his, puts her wedding dress back on and wanders the halls again. And he says, um, and again, I'll, I'll directly quote, 
Um, I shall contain the presences that roam these rooms and narrow stairways. I shall surround them with bars and walls and electrified fences and pray they never break free. I am the dragon's bride, the son of the widow, leather wings and fold. Um, and so, so Cavendish. If Amadeus Arkham had just fucking gone to therapy instead of like right? doing like none of this shit would have happened. Right. And like he was like he was a he was a psychoanalyst before so like you know that's one of those cases of like you know physician heal thyself right like yeah maybe <laughs> maybe um... he was a 1920 1910s 1920 psychoanalyst which yeah, is he's very people like loud thing, yeah. Shit. <laughs> yeah. that's that's very true that's very true let me put this hole in your head let the demons escape <laughs> but you should take you should you've got ghosts in your blood you should do cocaine about it yeah <laughs> that's yeah that is that is the realest shit. Um, so um, Cavendish uh, also appears in these panels to be wearing um, some kind of lacy gown. Um, yeah. I get it's it's implied that this is the the wedding gown in particular. The um, wedding gown turned into more of like a yeah, it's it's or like a like a like open a, front shawl or robe yes, or something like it's. Yeah. Um, but um, so so Cavendish is completely fucking bonkers, and he's like, you know, you you. You are the bat. You fed this this house. You you brought it all of its food. Um, you've supplied it with with poor crazy people for years. Um, you know, and, and this is this is your destiny. You know, essentially, like this is you 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 are the bat in the story. Um, and and Batman, of course, is like, no, I'm just a dude. Um, and <laughs> a um, thing you don't get to say when you uh spend billions of dollars making yourself dress up as a bat and have a bat themed right? car and a cable right? bat technology <laughs> like i'm just some guy <laughs> like uh-uh <laughs> no buddy you don't get to yeah you don't you lost your chance like, oh, just, just, just a random dude right yeah um <laughs> insert morgan freeman staring at him <laughs> <laughs> so 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 kevin just goes on to uh to tell batman that um in 1929 Amadeus Arkham attempted to kill a stockbroker, um, and that's what they finally locked him away for for doing. Um, he, you know, I, I assume it was probably one of those, you know, uh, what is a Black Black Friday uh, issues. Um, but it didn't stop him, um, and he had read the Golden Bough um, and studied shamanistic practices, and um, essentially the earlier meeting with Alistair Crowley had influenced him to such a degree that he decided that in his madness, um, only, only ritual magic could contain the, um, the bat that haunts this, this asylum. Right. Um, so he scratched a binding spell into the floor of his cell in the asylum that he used to run that now he's locked up in with his fingernails. Um, it took him literal years. Um, and it's, it cuts to a set of, absolutely beautiful panels um that david mckeon has put together that just kind of slowly pan out so you see this this old man you know shock of white hair you know loose ill-fitting you know kind of inmate asylum clothes um just surrounded by a spiral of written word um they're not decipherable through the art but it's assumed that they're like magical symbols uh, and and latin and french and hebrew and etc um and um arkham is talking about how he sees the virtues in madness um because this this country knows no law nor any boundary 
Um, I pity the poor shades confined to the Euclidean prison that is sanity. All things are possible here, and I am what madness has made me, whole and complete and free at last. Um, and so uh, once this binding spell that he's etching into the wall or into the, the, the floor of his cell is complete, um, it's kind of implied that he that he dies. Um, yeah, just that, his last words are finished. It's yeah. Um, and then he's, he's, you know, I'm, I'm home where I belong, you know, he's, is his, is where his journal is. Um, and so, uh, Cavendish, we cut back now and, and Cavendish is talking about how he, um, he read it and he couldn't stop thinking about it. And he realized it was his destiny, uh, to finish what Arkham had started. Um, he, he says, I set a trap for the bat. Um, I surrounded the asylum with a circle of salt so we couldn't escape again. And now, um, you know, you're, you're here um and uh batman is like you you're sick you you need you need help um <laughs> yes um and and cavendish is is still holding this this razor um and cavendish is basically like hey buddy if you think i'm sick look in the fucking mirror um and uh so he so cavendish just goes goes at batman um just trying to slashing at him with the razor um, he actually catches Batman on the arm, um, and there's blood everywhere. Um, but Batman, being Batman, uh, you know, punch he essentially punches uh, the razor out of his hand. Um, and as he does, Cavendish grabs his throat. Um, the razor goes flying. Um, Ruth is still watching, but she she's not doing anything. Um, she's just kind of like, no, don't. Like it's it's kind of implied that she's like in shock, uh, which is understandable um cavendish is, is screaming at batman mommy's boy mommy's boy um as ruth goes to to pick up the razor um cavendish is continuing to attack batman and uh batman is like yo bitch you know do do anything um <laughs> and uh she finally manages to kind of get to her feet and get in motion and and as she does um she grabs him by the hair pulls her or pulls his head back by the by his hair as she's holding the razor um and uh she slits his throat is it the same um, maybe i missed this earlier is it the same pearl handle razor that it's uh, implied it, appe it, yeah. it appears to be yes okay yeah um because he did he, he does talk about how like you know he found the, the secret room with the journal and there was like other stuff in there so it's implied that, that makes that sense yeah it's probably the same one um and then uh then she kind of realizes like what she's done and then and, and kind of freaks out which is understandable she's like oh Just my god oh my god a quick important uh, point yeah there are panels that are that blood soaked lace yeah because he was wearing the wedding dress vest thing um which i just really yeah that's yeah cool. it's again bringing it you know again is this a cycle is this a right you know, is this going to keep happening over and over again? Is this is this the house? Is this the madness of the house? You know, so it's it's cool. It's cool in that way. Well, and the um, other thing is, I am not an artist. Um, you know, putting together podcasts and writing is about as close as I get to art. Um, I, but I appreciate how much it must take to create something like what I'm. It is right. Holy shit! The detail. I mean, yeah. I just I just got a tattoo which i will turn on my video and show you guys after we get done recording but <laughs> the, my tattoo artist the amount of detail that he put into stuff i'm like i would never like this is why i trust artists you know 
Yeah. I can give you a basic idea, but when it comes to creation of that idea, um, I, I really envy people that have that skill. And Dave McKeon in something as simple as blood soaked lace, it is so intricate and so detailed. Sublime. Yeah. It just, it, it blows me away. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it is. Yeah. I I know I've said it like 300 times already, but the art here is incredible. Um, (laughs) I, Sometimes I wish that we were like uh, like a YouTube channel. That's not like a, uh, right. that's not a that's not a suggestion to start, Joshua. No, <laughs> no, and it, and it won't be because we will get hit with copyright shit. So oh fast God, because we can't yeah. show original art. Yeah, uh, but I I do much. wish. Yeah, we've done we've done we've done several um, of these types of of um, of books where I've I've wished desperately that I could just hold up a panel and let people see it as they're listening to the podcast. Like yeah. if it's not a thing, mm-hmm. but like. It's it, this this particular book uh, really has um, just mind blowing art. Um, yeah. But so um, at this point now, uh, Batman and, and Ruth are uh, trying to to get out of the asylum, and and, and so um, she's in shock. She's like, "Holy shit! I just killed somebody." Um, she's she's kind of uncertain. She's kind of hesitant. Um, and while they're walking, uh, Batman asks her for Two Face's coin back. Um, and she's worried now that um, that he's going to go back in and, and quote unquote undo all of all of her work. Um, and Batman says that he he has to show them that he's stronger than them, that he's stronger than this plate. Um, and Ruth says, "Well, that's that's insane." He says, "Exactly." Um, Arkham was right. Sometimes it's only madness that makes us what we are, or destiny, perhaps. Um, and he goes back into the asylum. Um, there's a lot of um very nebulous kind of panels here showing him getting back into the asylum um and some faceless literally faceless mook um is you know inside is is telling the joker you know you should never have allowed him in here he's too dangerous and um and and joker's like well you know come at me bro um and uh batman has an axe uh he that he essentially lays at the feet of of the Joker. Um, yeah, uh, stop and, the podcast. I'm pulling the yeah. stop the podcast button. Yep. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, he he is hacked. He, it's not it's not shown where he gets this axe from. Right. Um, yeah. He just has an axe. It's the bad axe, axe. It's from his yeah. utility belt, obviously. That's right. Yeah. He just yeah. You just snap Cl- it snap it into place. A, you know, pulls just out a little, little handle. Pill sized thing. Crushes <laughs> it. And kind of like when you put dinosaurs in water. Uh, <laughs> it's an inflatable <laughs> axe. You know. That's right yeah <laughs> um so um so yeah so it's it's um he he throws this this axe down at the, at the joker's feet and um and and batman's like you know you're you're free you're all free um and the inmates kind of don't know what to do and so but the joker doesn't doesn't really move um mad hatter hands him a straight jacket um and uh joker is basically like oh you know we we know that already but what about you you know have you have you come to to claim your kingly robes or do you just want us to put you out of your misery like the poor sick creature that you are um and uh so he's he's holding uh two-face's coin at this point and batman says why don't we let two-face decide what to do with me um the the joker is weirdly delighted by this idea because he's fucking nuts and um i'm sorry i'm I keep interrupting you, but you told me to do that. Um, yep. Does he does he actually call him when he says, "Let 
let's let Two-Face decide. Does he say Two-Face or does he say Harvey? He does. No, he says Two-Face. Okay. And in fact, Two-Face is like me. I can't. I, I uh, Really, I, I can't. And that's when Joker's like, Harvey, brilliant. And Batman tosses uh, Two-Face. Okay. Yeah. I'm not even sure yeah. if that's an important detail, what name he It feels like it. It is because well, earlier is. they were trying to get him to be Harvey uh, Dent again. And, mm-hmm. and that was part of uh, the doctor's entire uh thing is to get him to do more choices and to go away from the two-face batman is undoing all of that immediately (laughs) yeah yeah batman doesn't give a fuck um again he's a job creator so um (laughs) (laughs) yeah so you know he needs to need the house man (laughs) the psychological damage that he inflicts every single day of his life is immense but imagine the economy right exactly Gotham City economy is booming. Is that a world um, you want to live in? Like, <laughs> I'm just wondering what kind of angry letters we're going to get from a bunch of me people. You're like, you weren't supposed to agree with this. I'm like, but we do. What's but this we, we shit? I'm out yeah, after this right. episode. Yeah, I don't yeah. have to read any yeah. of that crap. Right. You're, you're perfectly safe, Ryan. They'll come right. <laughs> you are like, you are merely being exposed to us. Right. <laughs> like that that broad keeps ragging on DC and all she's done this season is fucking DC. You deal with video game people, Ryan. I, I would not trade like shoes with you for, for anything. Yeah, I, I I work in the industry that is essentially just a giant Arkham Asylum. So uh. <laughs> <laughs> why Actually, didn't you let way. tika have her boobs yeah. oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i told you i only do the music um, <laughs> <laughs> um, then why did she so... give her boingy boingy sounds <laughs> oh no you are banned <laughs> sir you're banned <laughs> oh okay um <laughs> So yeah, so so Batman gets uh gives Two Face's coin back, um, and Two Face decides that you know if the if the unmarked face comes up, he's he's free, and if it's a scarred face, um, we'll kill him. Um, and he flips the coin, um, and it, the coin basically falls, falls, falls slowly through some panels, um, and Two Face uh finally you know opens his hand where the coin has fallen, um, and then he he looks up at everybody and says he goes free um the front doors of arkham you know we cut over the front doors of arkham are are open um batman comes out there's police cars there's ambulances you know flashing lights the the whole deal you know they're taking ruth to the ambulance um cops are going into the asylum gordon's standing out there with an umbrella um and uh as as batman walks out um the joker says to him um pardon me such sweet sorrow dearest still you can't say we didn't show you a good time um enjoy yourself out there in the asylum um just don't forget if it ever gets too tough there's always a place for you here um and as uh as the policemen start start entering um we kind of cut over to to two-face um who is by himself um in what kind of looks like a cafeteria like dining hall area um and Behind him, there's there's an un, like a house of cards that somebody has built, um, and so he looks back down at the coin in his hand, and um, now we can actually see it for the first time. Uh, we couldn't see it in the previous panels, but um, we see in his palm um, that the scarred face is the one that's showing. So he lied. Oh, shit. Um, and he kind of smiles to himself, um, 
and puts the, the coin into, into his pocket and turns to regard the house. And the house of cards is actually made of tarot cards, you see now. Um, and he says to really nobody in particular. He says to the um, reader. Yeah. Um, who cares for you? You're nothing but a pack of cards. Um, and then he knocks over the pack of cards. Um, the final one that falls is the image of the moon. Um, and that's kind of where we close out um, is the tarot card for the moon. And that is the end of Arkham Asylum. Oh my gosh. Does anybody, <laughs> is anybody in this call? Because I, I don't know shit about tarot. Does anybody know what the moon card is supposed to symbolize or stand for? Um, it's like rebirth, death, death, rebirth. Um, uh, it might actually even say in the notes here. Let's see. Um, yeah, much to the disappointment of my mother, I don't any of that stuff. So, <laughs> um, I believe it's I believe it's supposed to be like rebirth and um, reimagining. It's, I I know I saw this in the script, like in the script notes, and I just can't remember where. But it's also, of course, an allusion to you know, I am the knight, I am right. Batman. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the moon represents your illusions and often comes out when you are projecting fear into your present and your future based on your past experience. Oh boy, okay, so then it's definitely a heavy-handed metaphor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the first I'm... the first one in the comic too. Oh, yeah, right, right at the end. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I actually, I had thought that I, that I did not. So I, I was with you, Ryan. Show. With it. Um, but to me at the end, if I may interject, like my interpretation no. is the, uh, <laughs> the, the thing that made Arkham's mother, like she said, the bat was the one that hurt her or made her afraid mm -hmm. in the home. Well, that was Two Face making sure the bat didn't stay in right. Arkham Asylum. Ooh, oh, Jen, yeah. Jen, I okay, that's, that's canon really now. Good. <laughs> yeah. that's, that's, that's the only that's, that's the correct interpretation. <laughs> so, uh, Ryan, uh, normally the question at the end of this is, um, is do you feel we explain this well? But you have made that clear throughout but how would you describe your want to read this comic from before we record we we did this to the end? uh before we did it you know like i like i said i like batman he's he's definitely like my my top 10 top five superheroes for sure um so like if you'd put this in front of me and been like here's a batman comic you have arc you haven't read i've been like hell yeah and would have gone for it for sure but like i wasn't seeking it out just not one of those things like on my mind to add to my kind of roster right um now that y'all have walked me through it and especially as someone who i'm a huge huge horror fan as well uh and so the hearing like the how creepy Did and how we kind just of... become best friends really i have so many slots ryan you gotta understand i was hyping them up about you for like weeks because i was like you guys are gonna love him he's you guys are gonna be super best friends and then it happened and i was right so i feel both happy that you're friends and the happy important that I was thing right. here is that leah was right, right. <laughs> but that's always exactly. the important thing exactly. um but yeah i I'm, I'm a huge horror fan uh i i like batman quite a lot so like and now hearing you all walk me through this and uh i i, I my favorite batman arcs are the ones that kind of actually play with and analyze like his sanity and his relationship to what he's doing and, and right. his relationship to his villains and stuff, uh, which th this is just nothing but that shit. So like, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to like literally grab it like after the call. And awesome. especially cause I have to see this art. Like I, 
Oh, Dave McKean's yeah. art is just, I'm, it's so gorgeous. Good. It's gorgeous. Well, I saw and like I'm, one panel. Yeah, I'm going to have Google. to read it too because I basically, Josh was kind of scrolling through, like kind of somewhat following what Leo was laying out. So that's why I was like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm, sublime. That's awesome. I will be reading this. <laughs> Yeah, he's very, very, very good. I've really admired his work for years. Yeah. I used to have a Dave McKeon um, poster, um, and it was like an, I don't know if it was an alternate cover of, of one of the Sandman books or what the what the cut was with it, or if it was just a poster that was designed for Sandman. I mean, we were talking late 90s here. Who knows? I was a little idiot. I was like 19. Um, but um, when I moved the poster, we took the poster down from the wall and it tore. It was like brittle and old and I was so sad and I've never found it's like again. Um, but I would hang his art on every wall I had as an adult if I if I were able to do so. It's just he's Same. just so good. Same. That happened with a uh Tori Amos uh like subway poster that I had for like 10 years. And when I finally moved it from where it was, it just kind of disintegrated. Yep, yeah, that's exactly what <laughs> happened. Yeah, I tried touched it, it just crumbled into dust. I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, one of the other books that I would recommend is uh, there's a there's a comic by Neil Gaiman called Midnight Days. Um, but each of the six um, issues he had a different artist for, uh, two of which are Dave McKeon and Mike Mignola. Uh, just fantastic. Just on the on the subject, if you love that kind of artist <laughs> taking you on a journey. Um, yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, for for sure. This this was way more of like a horror comic much the better for it it's a classic for a reason um but also you know now remembering the the batman arkham asylum game there are aspects of this especially when you start to get into um the times that batman is drugged and goes into the the scarecrow yeah levels like there's a lot of that symbolism and a lot of getting into psychoanalyst uh parts but i mean in the game it's kind of dumbed down for the masses uh this is a this is a book that either people will get or people yeah um, yeah for sure so what do you what do you i'm curious what you will the two of you who've read it what you think so i've actually had <clears throat> I've, I've owned a copy of this for most of my adult life um and originally i'm not gonna lie i bought it because i love the artist i don't at that point in time in my life i really didn't care too deeply about batman like or, or DC characters in general. I wasn't super jazzed about them, but I love Dave McKeon. And I happened to be in a, my local comic shop and I flipped through very idly seeing his name on the cover and was like, holy shit, this artwork, I'm going to read this. Um, and I, I bought it. I read it. I enjoyed it. I put it on my shelf and I forgot about it for like a decade. And then it wasn't until we um, started recording this podcast, actually well over a decade. Honestly, I think I bought this in 2004. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to reread this and see if it still stands up. And there was so much as an adult, like as an adult adult, like coming back and rereading it and being like, oh, wow, there is a lot going on here that I simply did not pick up when I was like a teen. Um, and I think I love it more now. <laughs> so uh, for me, OK, at this point, this is the 18th episode of Rec Conversations, and I've recorded 69 episodes of Graphically nice. Novel. So, I mean, like, nice. I've done a lot of comic book podcasts, um, and I I had a thing in the first few seasons of all of them, and, and I try to do it now, too, of having a physical copy of every book that we've done, but obviously shelf space. And so um, 
I've gone through and I've cleaned out the uh, bookcases several times, done a half price books run and whatever, because not everything that we reviewed, I want to keep. Um, Arkham Asylum I had before this, um, when I was just in my, I need a bunch of graphic novels phase. So I probably had the book, I want to say like at least four or five years. Um, and when I got it, it was the first time I had read it because before I started my first podcast, I really wanted an understanding of the history of comics. And Arkham Asylum is on like the list of the top 50 comic books of all time. Uh, so I went through that. And that was my first round is just buying all of those and reading them. Um, but it has survived many, many uh, like cleanouts. Um, I just, I love the art. I love the story. I, the, the idea of adding, like Leia said, tarot and spirituality and psychoanalysis and just all of this stuff into a book it's just not done okay it's not done well that often yeah <laughs> i mean people try to do it but um there are very few writers that i've found can do it and really any book that grant morrison works with dave mckeon we're going to keep on our show yeah um yeah as long as i live <laughs> uh, but wow. i mean a, a lot of stuff that i've kind of you know, uh, I had X-Men Schism, for example, is, is an important storyline in Marvel history when the X-Men split. Um, I had it. I don't have it. In. Um, I've read it. It's in my memory. And at this point, if I need it, I can get it on digital, um, you know, where, where I read a lot of my comics. If something is still on my shelf, it's a lot to me. And I believe that it kind of belongs in my own. I want to be able to walk over and pull it off of my shelf. Um, mm. And Arkham Asylum is absolutely one of those, not just because of what it is, but also I'm a huge fan of the entire uh, Batman Arkham series, uh, a video game. Um, and, you know, this is the source material for that. Yeah, yeah. it's it's so cool as coming in on uh, the reverse direction where like I, you yeah. know, the Arkham games are some of my definite like modern favorites. Getting to see that source material after the fact, I'm like, oh yeah, like obviously it's not nearly as right dark and and you know uh psychological as this comic is because as you say they got to kind of have some more mass appeal but um i also think just uh, based on your kind of laying this out for me it's it's another example and i know this is the thing like lots of your li your listeners all know this and you all know this is i'm not saying anything novel here but like it's that cool reminder of like comics can tell really adult really you know uh meaningful stories even though it's like trying to <laughs> trying to like wrap my head around the fact that like this is a story about a man who dresses up as a bat and fights a clown and a scarecrow and shit. And like, that's on his face. Like if you break down any superhero thing, it's, it's bonkers that it exists, you know, and that you can tell a story like this, that is like, and now we're going to tell a horror story about like digging into the relationship this man has with his own psyche and with his, with the monsters that he fights. And like, is he a monster too? And you know, Batman, other Batman stories have done that, but it's cool that you can tell a story like this. And I think that's a neat thing about comic books. It's not that other mediums can't do it, but the fact that there's room for like, I'm going to go fucking fight Mr. Freeze uh, in a big ice palace. And then there's also room for this, you know? Well, and it's, I, I think it also says something that like Bruce's armor against the world is the bats. Um, that is how he's going to deal with his uh, multiple mental instability. Um, <laughs> Trauma, if you will. Yes. Yeah. Arkham puts on his mother's wedding dress, which on the surface is like, ah, like that's so kooky. It's the same thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that that parallel um, is does it went unnoticed by me as a teen 
but right. as an adult i was like oh no like you know yeah no, it's, it's arguably this. less crazy like yes. he's not running around gotham city as like now i'm the bride and i you know throw my fucking i attack people <laughs> with my veil and my fancy shoes and shit like <laughs> like it's okay, arguably still all, less a, insane that's an amazing superhero yeah it would rule actually <laughs> i kind of wish that was real <laughs> That's, that's some Fallout 76 shit. Yeah, it is. Is what yeah. that is. Mm, uh, I don't know, you Bioshock. Have... More Bioshock. Well, no, because in, in Fallout, you have the Unstoppables, which right. are the comic book, okay, and then fine. you have the, the Mistress yeah. of Mysteries, which you actually get to, like, join her order. I know, but it's more Bioshock to me. Like, in my head, it was more Bioshock. But, I, you know, I have to say that I came to uh, comics as an adult. You know, my my childhood experience with comics was like the arch little thick books yeah. you'd get in mm -hmm. the store. Um, and then stuff I should. Um, yeah. But yeah. Archie comics are a gateway drug. I'm yeah. convinced because that's also yeah. how I got Absolutely. comics. Absolutely. Archie and Penthouse are really what I have. No, no. <laughs> Playboy, please. Let's be tasteful, not trashy. Anyway. Um, <laughs> yes, I know who you are. Penthouse but... had better comics. Mm, I disagree. <laughs> Anyway, uh, but my real introduction to like modern comic was Sam. Yeah. So yeah. my introduction was Neil Gaiman, was Dave Mann as the artist, and that, you know, really dark, introspective, layered, nuanced comic, which made me say, okay, this is not the, uh, you know, 10 page Superman comic from the grocery. Right. And yeah. made right. me yeah, appreciate, this is, right. yeah. This is adult stories for adults. Yeah, yes. I, I too came back to comics in my adulthood or young adulthood, teen, really like teens, um, through the Vertigo imprint in general. Um, oh God, yes. It's just, which I was just like, well, wait a minute. Okay, so this isn't just like a, a daffy love triangle between the redhead, the blonde, and the brunette. Like this mm -hmm. is we got we got some shit going on here. Um, and and I I I fell in love and went full speed ahead um after that and i've taken periodic breaks from time to time through the course of my life in terms of like keeping up quote unquote with the comics um but yeah vertigo definitely if it weren't for Vert the vertigo imprint uh existing i i don't think i would have gotten back in um yeah. I, mean, I, I owe it a lot to, to go back to like what has stayed on my shelf like just looking at it i'm like arkham asylum has stayed with things like identity crisis uh transmetropolitan v for vendetta watch like i would put this up there with probably like the cr cream of the crop of comic books especially with adult comic yeah you know it sits yeah. on my shelf directly next to black orchid which is is the the next step if you love this uh, if you love arkham asylum uh black orchid is a thing done by neil gaiman and again Dave, um for a quote unquote DC superhero um but a very different take of the entire unit um anything that mckeon touches just a very different take because his art style lends to telling a, a different story we've talked on um both shows about how marvel is the full crayola box of color when it comes to motivations and, and everything else dc is is very three color um you know dc deals a lot in the good guys win the bad guys lose the good guys have good motivations the bad guys have bad motivations. sometimes that mm -hmm. changes um but the basic rule is you know our one of our good friends kat Aspen has come on these shows a lot and she says sometimes i just want to read because i want the bad guy lose and the good guy win and i know i can get that with 
Yeah. That's legit. That's legit. Yes. Yeah. And sometimes I want that too. You know, I can understand that. Right. Right. And, but with Marvel, you get a lot more. There are nuances. There are, you know. With Marvel, you also get a lot more. I feel like this is kind of related. Like a thing I've wondered about for a long time is that most Marvel heroes are uh, disliked or feared or hated by at least some segment of the society they're protecting. Yes. Uh, and like the X-Men, obviously, like Spider-Man, like so many of them. And most DC heroes, I feel, are completely beloved by their society like yeah i mean like lex luther's motivations if you really get into them are that he is a human being that fears for humanity because an alien is watching over them um i feel like it's kind of fair no absolutely (laughs) but that's the thing is is that's the interpretation is that lex luther is a villain because of that also because of the steps he takes but lex luther is a villain due to that motivation Whereas in Marvel, he might even be an anti-hero because he'd be like, but, you know, you know, I I can't necessarily blame the regular humans that are like, we need to eliminate mutants because they're going to eventually cause our extinction. I mean, yes, that is the (laughs) way that you deal with the next step in evolution. It is a very human reaction. So... Who are you rooting for? You know, <laughs> right, yeah. right, totally, 100%. Exactly. And as a kid, I used to, you know, being having, you know, preteen boy motivations, I, I loved, you know, Marvel stuff and DC stuff equally, but it would always make me sad. I was like, man, why can't people see that Spider Man's a good guy and he's like helping people? And why can't people see that the, the X Men are just people who were born this way? And like, you know, I, I, I would find myself wishing that Marvel heroes got, you know, to be in the spot that Superman is where, you know, most regular citizens aren't like, ah, fuck Superman. Like, you know, they, they're into him. Right. And now <laughs> as an adult, I'm, I kind of much prefer that, uh, that nuance of like watching a person struggle to be a hero, uh, and, and save people, even if a bunch of the people they're saving, like don't fucking want them to, or, or hate their guts right. or would get rid of them if they could. Well, and to right, me, this, this right, comic kind of, it's because of the fake media. Uh, run by uh, J. Jonah Jameson. It's J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> One American News Network led by yeah. J. Jonah Jameson. <laughs> Fuck, man. Uh, their decision, real brief aside, in the Spider Man games to make him like an Alex Jones like oh, podcast. God, it was so, great. so perfect. Like, oh, it was um, so good. But yeah, I feel like this comic gave me a little bit of that. Uh, not quite in the same way. It wasn't like the city yeah. hitting Batman, but like you, you see all the ways Batman kind of hates himself uh, mm-hmm. right. and the, the ways that he's, you know, strugg- he's the one struggling with why he's doing this and how, how he's reacting to things. Right. Not like, the like citizenry maybe- of Gotham City. Perhaps Batman hasn't processed his trauma in an appropriate <laughs> way. He's think. just now, he's just now like, wait a minute, maybe this isn't healthy. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah, wearing a belt with like three grappling hooks and a bunch of boomerangs yeah. on it. And like only then are like, you like, wait a minute. Like going to a singles mixer and just being like, oh, you know, you, you also lost your parents. Where's your costume? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um in 2002, there was a storyline called Bruce Wayne Fugitive um, that directly goes into Bruce Wayne murderer. Um, but Ooh. it was Bruce Wayne basically is arrested for murder um out of nowhere and put in a cell. And there are entire issues where it is him talking to Batman. Um, yeah right <laughs> um, makes sense to me but that is one of the best examples I've ever seen of that kind of how fucked up Bruce is that uh, 
yeah, somebody just figured out, oh, well, you know, uh, Bruce Wayne has to have something to do with Batman, so arrest him. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it was an interesting run. But if you like that kind of thing, it's something to like. Yeah, I will. Okay. I will dig into that because that is that is my kind of thing. Well, Ryan, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Thanks for having have, me. Yeah. Do you have any any plugs, any upcoming stuff that you want people to know? This keep in mind this will air sometime in twenty twenty two. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I so uh, one of the pretty much the only game I'm working on that I can talk about right now is uh, is a game called Wizard with a Gun that is um, kind of like a survival uh, co op game set in a like magical apocalypse universe where you're, the whole conceit is about kind of uh crafting spells but your spells take the form of like magic bullets that you fire so you fire you shoot a fireball out of your pistol or you shoot a bunch of uh you know teleport spells out of your smg or whatever um and that's not out but you could check out the trailer if you search on youtube you'll find it uh i'm really happy with the music i wrote for that um it slaps you can... it totally slaps <laughs> thank you so much uh and uh and my and our, our my singer for that um did an incredible job has this crazy gravelly voice that I'm pretty sure I'm ruining their throat by making them do this, but they're, they're <laughs> doing, doing a great job. Uh, and then otherwise you can, you know, I'm pretty Googleable. If you want to find any of my other games or music, if you just type my name in, you'll see my, my big dumb head will come up right away. Thick and as glasses you should do this. You should do this. Go listen to his music. It's really good. I'm Thank not saying so that much. because he's my friend. I'm saying that because it is genuinely awesome. Well, and, uh, and, and I will say that uh, in, in this house, uh jen i want to play all the indie in the world yes i am person and so mm -hmm. we we have where the water tastes like wine on oh, awesome. on our list to to play now because that's awesome i hope you dig uh, it and yeah. in fact it might be just after we get done recording because now that we've <laughs> met you and know that you are a fantastic human being uh crank the volume crank the volume on that game it is so good it is so good i listened to it well i'm car. just i just brought it up and there's a skeleton <laughs> playing a guitar which is yeah jen's aesthetic one thousand. i was gonna say yeah so, i mean it has oh it if has, you like skeletons everything. you're gonna like this game oh, it skeletons. has everything it's got skeletons it's got banging music it's got travel it's got stories it's like somebody designed a game specifically for me about me right 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 um, so really you an idea <laughs> two years ago for her birthday i ordered jen a rat skeleton from china I, yeah yes <laughs> oh my god I, I love it so much <laughs> well you saw my my fake trophy wall right. behind us when we started yes that's yeah, awesome yeah, yeah i was, I was all, really staring at that <laughs> it's all like um there's some like quilted uh quilted there's resin there's felted and then there's a real cicada with its wings extended yes. dipped in bronze yes in a shadow box but scary yeah <laughs> we are we are the adams family house um and in fact for, for halloween Goals. every year we dress as gomez and morticia sit on yeah. our front porch drinking wine and give candy and comics to kids that's yeah. extremely good Whoa, yeah. I love it. What a great addition so, to my favorite holiday. How many little kids like, have any how many of the little kids have any fucking idea who you are though? Uh, well, I am the, I am the neighborhood witch. Yeah, <laughs> Halloween's the only time that children come into our yard. Uh, <laughs> because we we really that's love how we like aesthetic it. Yes, all year. It is. Yeah. Um, it's true. But yeah. So Ryan, we will definitely have you back if we can. Uh, I would love that. And and uh, if there are any comic book properties uh, like media that comes up that you are interested in, we'd love to have you on Graphically Novel as well. 
um any 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 shows or movies that are based on comic can have you on be great. oh no i'm well <laughs> given that i'm you know i assume listeners of this show are also fine with it but like i'm fully aware that like the mcuification of the entire fucking world is a thing that a lot of people are tired of and yeah, yeah. God, not another marvel movie like i'm fucking here for all of this shit. i know I'm, I'm right there with you. i went to eternals in the theater man and i was like you know what no matter what this ends up being and it was a background thing, and I have a whole story about how when the Fantastic Four show up in the MCU, you needed Eternals to, to cross <laughs> that gap to mm-hmm. explain the shit that fucking the Fantastic Four deal with uh, all the time. So yeah. anyway. So uh, I guess what I'm saying is there's, <laughs> when you say, like, if there's any TV or movie properties too or whatever, it's like the uh, all of all of them dog yes, like I will. <laughs> I'll, I'll reach out to you that's fantastic no well, seriously we are best friends oh 100 <laughs> yes i'm so no, happy we will, we will find you <laughs> uh, uh so uh everyone else thank you for tuning in to rec conversations please tune in in two weeks when we will be doing marvel 1602 which i'm oh, yeah. super excited about yeah uh because it is neil gaiman reimagining the Marvel Universe in the years of two uh, in modern history. It is it is so good. And I know we've done noir already this season, and I loved doing noir, but 1602 is where it's at, because I also oh, yeah. didn't gush about. Uh, yep. So until then, take it away, Vandello. Some deep reactions, please. All this comics narration ain't me. A little more talk, a lot less read. A little five babies of what I need. Close the trade, open up your brains. Explain it to me. Explain it to me, baby. Explain it to me. Explain it to me, baby. Explain it to me. Vendello 2021.